Well, good morning, City Hill. Got to say, I really miss you guys. Uh, it's been uh, too long. It's been too long, and I consider, I realize just what a beautiful church we have here at City Hill and what a privilege it is to be your pastor. And I miss you, and I look forward to the time we can be together. This is great. I'm glad for the media. I'm glad for the virtual church. That's wonderful, but I'm looking forward to the time when we're together. The scripture says in Hebrews 10, 25, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as the day is drawing near. What a great verse for today that we're not going to stay apart for long. And when we get together and even now we need to encourage each other. It's easy to get discouraged. So find somebody to call somebody to bless, somebody to send a note to. Be one of those Barnabas kind of people who is always building other people up. We can encourage each other because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Today is one day closer to his coming back than yesterday. He's coming back. We want to encourage each other with these words. So when we get together, I'm trying to figure out what that would look like. You know, maybe we'll come and we'll give a little elbow bump or we'll do that little funky toe tap thing or who knows maybe a great big bear hug and I I felt I do need to give a confession this morning yep I I did I uh I've been trying to maintain social distancing and the other day I was with Manoj Morjani and we kind of saw each other and gave kind of a tentative wave and and then we just broke down and just gave him just a big old bear hug I failed miserably at social distancing, but then I repented. I got myself together, and I'm back. I'm back. I rock at social distancing. I'm good again. So you can, too. We're going to make it through. Yeah, it's a strange time. It's a strange time where the government can tell us not to uh, shake hands, not to hug each other, but we're going to get through this. So thanks for joining us today as you uh, are watching this on Facebook or on YouTube or However you're watching us, make sure you press the share. We want to make sure that we are spreading the word of God as far and as wide as possible. We want your friends, people who don't even know City Hill, could get encouraged. We want to encourage people everywhere. I love it when we're getting comments from people overseas, people in other nations, that are being encouraged by the message and the worship that we're preaching this morning. So be sure to share that. We want the word to go far and wide. Last week, well, let's pray before we get going here. Jesus, I thank you for your presence with us today. And God, I am so, so grateful that you never, ever practice social distancing, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that you have come to reside with us, not even by us, but in us, Lord, that Christ in us, the hope of glory, that God, you don't keep us at arm's length. And I'm so grateful for that this morning. Be with us, God. Open our ears to hear your word preached to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I loved Brian Duber's talk last week. Brian preached on Jesus the King is coming. What a wonderful word for us to hear and there were some key points that I wanted to 
take from his sermon as he laid a solid biblical foundation for us for this series on Jesus the King is coming back. One is that the return of Christ is foundational Christian doctrine. It's not some little verse that somebody took and ran with. It is solid to the Old Testament, to the New Testament. It is a clear part of evangelical, biblical teaching. Jesus is coming back. We also see that he's coming back for his bride, literally and physically. It's not some metaphorical good feelings are going to come, but Jesus Christ is coming back for his bride. And when he comes back, he, he left, he was here as the Lamb of God, but he's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, riding on a white horse. Christ the King is coming back. And he's coming back as a judge of the world. He's coming back in judgment. And for some, this should be fearful. But for the bride, it's a, it's a message of joy and hope and comfort. That we as the bride of Christ, the groom is coming for his bride. And we, the church, are to be ready. We're to be ready. Are you ready? Do we know what that means to be ready? I want to tell you a little bit of my story on this topic. When I was in high school, I was a part of this church. It was called New Testament Church at the time. There was an awesome season of people getting saved every week. Lots of salvations. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit were, were moving in powerful and wonderful ways. It was a wonderful time. It was just after the, or part of the Jesus movement. And upon that, our church was founded. And there was a, there was a solid and a very strong emphasis on the topic that Jesus is coming back. It was preached a lot. Soon, today, maybe before you get to lunch, Jesus is coming back. And it was preached a lot. And we knew that he was coming back. There was a movie in those days called A Thief in the Night by Billy Graham. The trumpet sounded. Christians were all raptured. People were left without a large amount of the population. And it was a Wonderful and terrifying movie, Thief in the Night. Then there were songs. I remember a man named Larry Norman. He was one of the first great Christian rock and rollers. And he wrote this song. It said, two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There is no time to change your mind. The sun is coming. You've been left behind. Tell you what, that put the fear of God in us. Lots of talk about the Antichrist, about the beast, about the number 666. This was commonplace topics of the day. Then it went to more recently movies like Left Behind. How many of you have seen that movie? Well, actually, it started off with a book and then became 16 bestseller books and 40 spin-off children books. And four movies left behind. You don't want to be left behind. And honestly, folks, I got tired of it. I did. Some of it was just crazy talk. 
a lot of it seemed controlling and a lot of it just seemed too woo-woo for me. I'm telling you the truth here. And for some people, it seemed to become the focus of their life. More than anything else in the scripture, their focus was on Jesus is coming back, the end times. And they had to understand it all. And, I mean, we had a family friend, God bless her, but they had a barn somewhere up near Bemidji, and they had it stocked full of food. They were ready for the rapture. And, this was, and they had all this food for the body of Christ to come eat when the world turned upside down. And my brothers and I, we kind of talked to each other. We said, I think she's crazy. But we did keep her phone number somewhere on file just in case she was right and we needed some food to eat. So these were the times I lived in back in the 70s. And what I decided was these guys are a bit crazy. And I decided here's what I was going to do. That I would simply love Jesus I would avoid this topic, but I would love Jesus, serve the Lord, and be ready when he came back for me. Now, honestly, that's not so bad. We should be ready. We should be loving Jesus, and he'll come back when he's going to come back. But my error, my mistake was that I just totally ignored the topic. I decided didn't want to go there. And so I have, I pendulum swung from all topics being that to I don't want to hear about it. And that was an error. That was an error in my life. And I, I believe that that's not the way we should live. Yes, we need to be serving Jesus, loving Jesus, and ready at any time when he comes back. But this is not a topic that we can ignore. This is not a topic we can just say, well, that's just for those guys out there. This topic is central to our faith. It's central to our hope. And the Old and New Testament are full of scriptures about Christ coming back. And if it's so important to the Word of God, then it needs to be important to me and to you. Because Jesus is coming back. It must be very important. So some of the biblical references to Christ's return. Here's a few of them. The message of Christ's return was preached by the angels at Christ's ascension. Just imagine this. This is the moment when Christ is ascending to heaven. And what are the words the angels chose to speak at that time? I want to read from, from the scriptures. Acts 1, verse 6. So when they'd come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by him, them in white robes, and asked, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, 
who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back, announced by the angels. The Apostle Paul echoed this in his first letter to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus is coming back. The words of Jesus himself. In Matthew 24, verse 30, he says, They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. And he will send his angels out with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back. And many, many more scriptures. You know, the early church would comfort each other with these words. We've heard of the term Maranatha. There was a singing group, Maranatha. But the word Maranatha literally means the Lord has come. Or the Lord is come. Or the Lord is coming. Come, Lord Jesus. And it's always speaking of Christ is coming back. And they'd say it as a greeting. They'd say, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. And they'd say it as they said goodbye. You'd be saying goodbye and they'd say, Maranatha, remember, Jesus is coming back. And this was words of comfort and consolations to the heart of these new believers. I asked myself, why? Why would it bring them comfort? And really the answer is that their life was hard. Their life was difficult. They suffered. They went through hard hardships and difficulty and they would go it's tough today but brother hold on Maranatha Jesus is coming sister don't give up Maranatha Christ is coming back church be strong I know it's tough but Maranatha our Lord Jesus Christ is coming so just say that to somebody if you're in your living room or somewhere in your kitchen watching this just turn to somebody and say, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. Praise the Lord. It's a good thing to remind ourselves and find comfort in that, that Jesus, the groom, is coming back for us, the bride of Christ. You know, and Christ made it clear, no one knows the day or the hour. It's important to realize that. I, I remember a sign we had on a billboard um, in Dominican Republic, and it said, Jesus is coming back, and it had the date, the time and the date when he was coming back. And I thought, ah, I don't think you read your Bible. It says no one knows the day or the hour. And that means we don't know, but we are to live at the ready. We are to live every day wondering. I, as I was preparing this sermon, I went outside, and I kind of looked up at the sky and thought, maybe today. Maybe Christ will break through the sky. And today's the day. Maybe this evening. Maranatha, Jesus is coming. So in this context of be ready, what does that mean? Jesus gives a couple different parables. And one of these parables is of the ten virgins. There's a clear message of don't be lazy, 
Don't be unprepared. Keep your lamp lit. Be ready for the master's return. But the second parable is of the ten talents. And that's a, a message that I want to talk about a little more today. The ten talents. How to be ready by using your ten talents. Let's hear the reading of this scripture today. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents, to another, two, to another, one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I haven't sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Well, and you should have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thanks so much for reading that scripture to us. Although there are many truths that we can take from this parable, one key way or important method of reading and understand parables is that they, they contain one solid truth. And I would ask you the question, what do you think the truth is in this scripture? What is the truth that Jesus was communicating to his disciples when he told them this story of the servants and their talents? I want to just give you one more chance to talk with those who you're with this morning just take 30 seconds and say, I think the main point was this. And talk to somebody around you. I'll tell you in a minute. But I want you to try to figure it out and say, what was Jesus saying to his disciples? I'll just give you another 30 seconds here. You're right. I knew you were smart. See, Jesus had smart disciples. Well, at least some of the time. And he told them these parables. And let's just take this and break this one down a little bit. And I love this story. So 
a little context says the master, of course, is Jesus. And Jesus was going away. And as he went away, he gives his riches, his gifts, his talents of his, of his treasures, he gives to his servants. And he goes away on a long journey. And they really didn't know when he was coming back. It wasn't like he called them on a cell phone and said, hey, I'll be back on Thursday afternoon. He went away, and they did not know when their master would come back. And he gave them talents. Now, talent in the Bible is not speaking of like you're talented or a gifting. It speaks of a sum of money. And the experts say that one talent equaled a normal weight of a person in gold normally. So if a person normally weighed, a smaller person, 110 pounds, a talent was 110 pounds of gold. So this is not a little bit that they were entrusted with. And so, in fact, I wonder if I, when they say, you're worth your weight in gold, who knows, maybe it came from this. They measured a talent by a person's weight in gold. And so the master distributes his wealth. He gives the first guy five talents, which we would estimate to be 550 pounds of gold. And to another one, he gives two, and the other one, he gives one. And then he goes away on his trip. You know, one thing you realize is that not everybody's given the same. You ever look at someone and say, I wish I had those talents. Oh, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could speak like that guy. I wish I could play basketball like that guy. I wish I would. God has created people differently. And that's part of the beauty of this world. He gives different people different talents. And then he returns, and the master does return. And the master came back, and he called the servants to give account. To the five-talent guy, comes in and says, you gave me five, I got ten. And he says, you nailed it, great job, come on in. We're going to have a party. It's great. Welcome. Next guy said, I, you gave me two. I doubled it. I have four. Here's your four. Great job. Fantastic. Come on into the joy of your master. Then the one talent guy showed up. I can imagine him sweating, watching the other two guys deliver what they had earned. And, well, this guy was afraid. I believe he was afraid of failing. He was afraid that he could lose what the master had given him. So he says, I was afraid. I thought you were hard. And so I buried it in the ground and cleans it off and says, here, I've given you back exactly what was yours. And as I read this parable, I, I realized Jesus just didn't, didn't say, well, that's not so great. This guy received a harsh judgment from the master. We read, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he who has an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. 
The master was not pleased. The master meted out a harsh judgment on the servant that buried his talent in the ground. I want to bring it home this morning. You've been given talents. Lots of talents. Now, you may not know what they are, but you should figure that out. God has given you abilities and talents. And we need to define the talents that we've been given. The abilities we have, the intelligence we have, the resources. God has given each of us talents. And we need to use these talents for the kingdom, for the master's purposes. You say, well, what talents do I have? Well, to many of us, God has given health. It's a great gift. You can walk, you can stand, you can carry things, you can go places, you can drive a car, you have health. Tell you what, you know how, what a great gift that is when your health is taken away from you. It's a gift of God. Use it for the kingdom. Finances. God's given us finances. Most of us, all of us, I would believe, are able to find food to eat, shelter. Many of us have money in the bank. God's given resources, finances to us. Some have inherited large amounts of money. And then some people have the ability to earn money. It's a gift of God. Use it for the kingdom. Intelligence. Some people are just smart. People that just remember everything. People that have tremendous mental abilities. It's a gift from God. Artistic ability. Man, some people just see things and they can take nothing and make it beautiful. They make the world beautiful. Use your artistic abilities to make the world a place of beauty. That may be painting somebody's room. That might be decorating or, or painting a picture or a landscape or whatever it would be. Maybe it's video where you can edit and you can make beauty where there was nothing. That is a gift from God. Some of you can speak well. Use your speaking. Use your ability to communicate, to advance the kingdom. Some of you have a house. That's God's house. You say, well, it's my house. No, really, it's not. Everything belongs to the master, and he gives it to us to be stewards of. If we ever get that point, that everything we have belongs to the Lord, and he can take it away like that. But he graciously gives it to us. But hear this. Whatever your gift may be, and I have other gifts here, hospitality, you're good at bringing people in. Maybe you can cook and you're good at providing a great meal. Tell you what, that is a gift of God. Maybe you have a vehicle, a truck. There's just so many gifts that God has poured out on us. And here's... The serious point, that God calls you to use your gifts and to multiply your gifts. The kingdom is about growth. The kingdom is about multiplication. He's never called us to just protect. If you ever hear somebody say, oh, it's a dangerous world out there. Keep all those bad people away. We're going to go hide in the church. We're just going to be here and, and hold on, hold on till Jesus comes back. That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is advance the kingdom while we wait in anticipation 
for the return of Christ. Use your gifts that God has entrusted to you. Now, when I talk about extending the kingdom, I'm not just talking about church. It's good. I appreciate those who use their giftings in the church, those who are gifted with children who, who help in the Sunday school, those who are gifted with media who help in our sound booth, those who are gifted in music who help lead worship, those who are gifted in speaking that speak at different times in the church. I appreciate using the gifts in the church, and God is glorified in that. But there's so many other ways. When you love your neighbor, you're extending the kingdom. When you do good work at your job, God is honored. You are blessing this world. When you care for somebody in need, when you call up a friend, it doesn't have to be in the church. So God wants us to use our giftings. And when we do, we are being ready. We are making ourselves ready for the return of Christ. Another part of this is realizing that Christ is coming back soon. You say, well, when is soon? I don't know. What I do know is that God wants you to be ready. And one part of being ready that I would want to really emphasize is don't put things off. I would call ready um, quick obedience. Quick obedience. When my children were younger, and I'd ask them to do something, they're like, yeah, I'll get to that soon, Dad. I'll get to that soon. We had this little phrase that said, delayed obedience is disobedience. They didn't like that much. But it was because normally that meant I'll get to it sometime really never. And there are things that God has asked of you that you are putting off. And I would challenge you, be quick to obey. Things like there are people you need to forgive. Not someday. Soon. Jesus is coming back. Don't we don't know when that will happen, but don't put those things off. There's obedience where God has asked you to do things and you, you're resisting. Please stop resisting. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. So we, we have a sense of urgency that that is to cause in us rather than being lazy and saying, yeah, I'll come back so I can do what I want for another 20 years and then maybe I'll obey. No. Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know the day or the hour. I just want to close by saying these are words of joy and comfort for those who know Christ. If you don't know Christ this morning, I would encourage you, please don't wait. Don't. I've heard people say, well, I'm going to live my life as a young person. When I get old, I'll receive Christ. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Jesus is coming back soon. I would challenge you to today open your heart to Christ. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sins. I want to receive you as my Savior. And then when you come back, you're coming back for me. It's a good day to do that. And for those of us who know Christ or are part of this church or anybody else that may be tuning in today, let's be those who live with the urgency and the expectation and the joy that Jesus is coming back. You know, when you step outside, just do this. Just kind of look up in the sky and say, maybe today. 
just to kind of help remind yourself that it could be today. We don't know. There's a lot of scriptures, and we'll talk about these in future weeks. But there are a lot of scriptures that give us ideas. But bottom line is, only the Father knows. And we are to live at the ready, using the gifts and the talents that God has entrusted to us today. Use them soon to obey the Lord and to do the things that he's calling you to do. Use your talents. And in that way, when the Lord comes back, whenever that is, you'll be ready. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are coming back in reality. God, I look forward to that day when we hear the trumpet sound and we realize, oh my gosh, Jesus has come for his bride. Lord, speak to us. If there's areas in our life that are out of order, areas in our lives that, are, that we just are resisting you in, God, may we have that expectancy as, you know, I don't want to have life out of order when the master returns and that we live with short lists and we get our affairs in order that we as your bride would be ready for your soon return. We love you, Lord. And Father, I pray a blessing upon each and every one of the people in this church who are in their homes. God, help them as we're kind of cramped up in our homes, Lord. Bless their families. Make these to be times of building deeper relationships, healing of hurts, and God, preparing us for the next chapter that you have for each family as well as for us for a church, Lord. Help us through this season, Jesus. And help us to always remember that Jesus is coming back soon. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Thanks for jumping in, tuning in today. We look forward to the time we can physically be together. Make sure you love the people well in your family. They're important. God bless. Come on.